citizens of the country, uh, just various denominations are starting up cowboy churches. Now, cowboy churches, they, they have a little group that plays country, western, Christian music. They all come and they dress up in their cowboy outfits, and many aren't Christians at all, but they just love and enjoy the, the fellowship, and they like the music, and so they, why not do a TV series? So we have a new TV series in the works as soon as we raise the funding for it, and that's called Fork in the Trail. Fork in the Trail is we'll, we'll have a little group out by the barn or the corral, and they'll play a two or three songs, and then by the campfire, I'll share a little bit about Jesus. Nothing real heavy duty, as it were, nothing real real pounding force, but just something to introduce people to the love and the amazing uh, way that Jesus loves us. So please keep that in your prayer if you would. It's called Talking Donkey International. We wanted a name that Christians would understand, but non-Christians, they wouldn't have any idea. It might kind of fly right over their head. So anyway, thank you very much for that. I wanted to talk to you today for a few moments, and I usually don't start this late in the day, but what time do you quit, Pastor? Right at me? Just keep going. My sheep, God says, Good morning, Judge. My voice. My sheep hear my voice. I wonder today, are you hearing God's voice? Are you hearing God's voice saying, We are near the end of time? We're right at the very end of time. Now, as a born and raised in the United States, born and raised as, you know, a guy that folks, matter of fact, uh, we were here 20 years after the Pilgrims landed. And I want to tell you something. I have never seen things happening in the United States today like they've been happening. This is not the country I grew up in. It's not the nation that I grew up in. It's a nation that's rapidly heading toward what the Bible says is the end of time. You believe that? Think about this in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. There are seven churches. Those seven churches, there's a last church, a last church. There's a, a last and final people that herald and look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there's a last message, the message of righteousness by faith. Ellen White says there in Revelation chapter 14, that is the message. Those three angels' message are the message of righteousness by faith. But how close are we? How close? You might be sitting there today thinking, how really close are we to the end of time? Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6. And I've got to admit, I'm not used to holding the microphone. <laughs> Revelation chapter 6. And verse 12. And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. Has that happened? I got a couple of yeses over there. Has that happened? Yes, it has. Verse 13, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts its untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. Has that happened? Yes, it has. And verse 14, 
And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Has that happened? No, it has not. If you want to know where you are in time today as you sit here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Salt Lake City, you can draw a line between verse 13 and verse 14, and you can write a little note, here I am in time. You, me, we are all between just two verses in time. Everything else has happened. That verse has been. You say, oh, you know, good Seventh-day Adventist, uh, there's many things that need to take place before Jesus comes. Well, I forgot the exact number, but I believe it was 22 prophecies that had not been fulfilled just before Jesus went to the cross. 22 prophecies. And in a moment, as they say, in a twinkling of an eye, all of those prophecies were fulfilled. 20-some prophecies. Overnight, just in a moment. I ask you today, as you look around at the United States, if you look at the United States in prophecy, if you look at what's going on, can you hear the footsteps of a mighty God? Can you hear the footsteps of God approaching? Because he is in a mighty, mighty way. I don't know if you realize this. Many Seventh-day Adventists don't. I don't know if you had an opportunity to... Uh, it's still on the General Conference uh, uh, ministerial website. It's called What Might Have Been. We did, a, we did a movie on the vision of Ellen White in the 1901 General Conference session and what God wanted to happen during that session. Amazing thing. He wanted them to receive the latter rain, pour out the latter rain, and finish the work way back in 1901. Because God's people withdrew. They were too stiff-necked. They were too hard. They, they wouldn't apologize to one another. They wouldn't come together. And God withdrew the latter rain. We're told by the prophets way back in, in uh, 1888, God was ready to come, ready for his people to receive the latter rain. 1844, we're told the same thing. There are at least several times in the church's history when God was anxious and ready to come and pour out his Holy Spirit upon his people and finish the work. And I'm still here, and you're still here, and we're all still here because we've not listened to that still small voice of God. That voice that says, this is the way, walk ye. The voice of the good shepherd calling us moment by moment, day by day, into a friendship and relationship with himself. A good old friend that passed away uh, about a year ago, Dr. Herb Douglas, said, Jim, he said, God can't trust just anybody with the latter rain. It's too powerful, too powerful. And so it is. He can't trust just anybody with it. Only those are fully surrendered to him. Today I ask, are you surrendered to him? Are you surrendered to him? You know, the word of God, and 
Matter of fact, that's where we were studying today in the uh, uh, Bible class, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.15, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now that word inspiration is God breathed. All scripture is breathed by God. I think about there was, there was Jesus at creation time in the Garden of Eden. He created Adam. Adam was just a beautiful pile of dirt. Wasn't he? He was just a beautiful pile of dirt, and then Jesus got down. He blew into him the breath of life, and he became a living, vibrant being, the breath of God. I think of Ezekiel. Ezekiel stood out over that field of dead men's bones. God says, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, only you know, Lord, only you know. And then God breathed on those bones, and the bones began to knit together, come together, every, every bone. And pretty soon, sinew came, and muscle, and fiber, and it was a living army of God because of the breath. Jesus, just before he ascended to heaven, says he breathed upon his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. Are you happy with your life right now as a Christian? Maybe, maybe, you know, you're just occupying pew space. I was, I had, God woke me up and I started going a whole new direction. I felt so excited and it was thrilling. But after a few years, I found I was making making so much money, and I was doing so many things. I looked cool in church. You know, I had a nice suit. I was paying tithe. I was doing all the things that you do as a good Seventh-day Adventist. And then the Holy Spirit said, Jim, the Holy Spirit may be poured out all around you. You're never going to recognize it or receive it. And I knew at that moment, while my name was on the church books, I was lost. You see, just your name being on the church books doesn't guarantee you a place in eternity. Jesus is looking over the books in Matthew, read Matthew 7. And the church brethren come up to him and say, Lord, basically, we have a right to be there. We've cast out demons, we've healed the sick, we've done all these wonderful things, Lord. And the Lord looks at him and says, what's your name? I don't know. Don't answer the question. And these were his words. I'm sorry. I never knew you. I never knew you. That no is somewhat like Adam knew his wife when he conceived the child. It's very personal. It's very intimate. It's, it's a real friendship. That's what God is looking for from you, from me, a real personal relationship and friendship. Can you hear God's voice today? A lady in Tanzania, I was visiting with her and said, you know, said, I was so sick, I wanted to witness for God, but she said, it was like I was so sick, I just couldn't get out of bed. No matter what I did, I couldn't get out of bed. I kept praying, God, please, I want to witness for you. And she prayed that prayer day and night, day and night. And again, maybe finally God said, okay, okay, turn on your radio. What, Lord? Turn on your radio. And then God gave her the idea. 
she called a fellow there in the village that knew how to take care of things and stuff and she said, hey, put up a big speaker on your roof and run a cable down to my radio. And she did that. And then every day when the gospel program came on, she turned it on and she turned it up as loud as it would go and she'd blast it throughout that village. And I said, didn't, didn't your neighbors hate that? She said, oh, only until they finally fell in love with the program. Pretty soon one day, there's a Maasai warrior. He's walking through the village. And he stops and he hears this program about Jesus. Oh. And the next day, he brings another fellow in. And they're up there and they're listening in the village to that loudspeaker blasting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And pretty soon, day after day, pretty soon the group grows. And he, he's finally, he's got a huge group of Maasai warriors. And then God raised up this lady out of her bed, and she went and ministered to them. And eight months later, I was able to visit these people in their village. Now, you know, Messiah, they don't usually have too much of earthly things. They don't construct much or anything else. But this group was building a big building. I said, what is that building for? Oh, they said, since we've accepted Jesus Christ, we want to learn how to read and write on our own so we can study the Bible. That's our, that's our school. And the Messiah is building a school because God has touched their hearts. They've listened. They've listened to God. They've listened to God. Are you today listening to God? There was a Muslim sheik in Australia. He invited a Seventh-day Adventist elder. He said, Elder, please come and speak at my mosque. Apparently, he did that with the idea that that he'd try and convert him to Islam. Well, just before the day the elder was going to speak, this fellow receives a dream from God. Do not try and convert that elder. He's my man. He has a message for you and for your people. Oh, as if that wasn't enough, he receives the same message the second time, and he receives the same message the third time. He invites that young man and wow, it was an amazing message. They invited him back five times to speak and share the Adventist message. Now, what was so incredible is after that fifth time, the Muslim sheikh went home and got on the Internet. You see, he had a big following, an Internet following. And he typed out on the Internet, we need to be listening to Seventh-day Adventists. They have a message for us and for our people. Guess how many people that receive his, his weekly reports? 200,000 Muslims. 200,000. God is doing amazing things. I've, I've had the opportunity to interview people who were past Muslims and received dreams and visions from God. God is speaking to their hearts, apparently because we're not doing it. In Newbold College in England, there was three Muslim clerics that came and wanted to meet with our theology professors there at Newbold. And the professor said, well, we're happy to, but why did you want, why do you want to meet? They said, well, because we believe from the Quran that you, Seventh-day Adventists, are the people of the book, and we want to hear from you. We studied with them for the next three weeks. At the end of that time, said, yes, you are the people of the book. 
One of my friends invited them there in England to his church to speak at his church. Muslims to speak at his church. And guess what those Muslims said? What is the matter with you, Seventh-day Adventists? You have a message from God for us. Why are you not sharing? I ask you this morning, beloved, can you hear his voice? Can you hear his voice? Because he's speaking to people all over the world. Down in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, young fellow and his wife are driving along in their car, and all of a sudden the wife says, stop, stop. Guys, I don't know if your wife ever done that to you. My wife has. It scares me half to death. You know, she doesn't say anything about it. Just immediately I slam on the brakes. That's what this fellow slammed on the brakes, pulled alongside of the road and says, what? And she still doesn't say anything. She jumps out of the car and she runs out in the field. And she comes back and she's got a book. She said, she said honey, do you see any wind? No. She says, neither do I. But this book, this book, she said, I watched. She said, the pages blew one way and then the pages blew and there's no wind. I just had to see what kind of book that was. And they began reading that book. And it was a marvelous book. It was incredible. But there was no material in it that said who it was from and where they could get in contact with them or anything else. Well, about a month later, the young man's in downtown Sao Paulo, and he's on his motorcycle. And he pulls up behind this car. And this car has a bumper sticker that was like the insignia that was on that book. He pulls up alongside the window and he begins shouting at the guy. Now, in downtown Sao Paulo, somebody in a motorcycle shouting at you, you don't want anything to do with him. And the guy in the car rolls up the window and he takes off as soon as the light changes. Motorcycle follows right in behind him. He's going to keep on up. And he's right in behind him. Next stoplight, the young man pulls up again and he starts really yelling. Now, scares the guy half to death. Guy runs the red light and he takes off. And the young man stays right with him. He's not going to lose him. He's down through the streets. And finally, he gets caught in a traffic jam, and he can't go anyplace. And now the young man pulls up to him right up to the window and says, Great controversy, great controversy. The guy in the car is a Seventh-day Adventist elder in the local church. And he cracks his window and says, What did you say? He says, The book, Great Controversy. He began studying with that young man and his wife when they were driving. All because of a book laying out in the field whose pages were blowing this way and then this way when there was no wind. No wind. Can you hear the footsteps of Almighty God today? Can you see where we are in time? Can you see what's happening? A fellow that was with the uh, Coast Guard he was with the Coast Guard in Britain. Actually, he was in Greenland, and his tour of duty was just about over. And he didn't want to go back home by boat. He wanted to fly back home because his crew was up the next day, and he wanted to hurry up and get home. So he goes to this guy's house, and he knocks on the door. He knew he was a pilot, and he knew he was going to be flying out, so he knocks on the door. There's only one problem. As he's trying to knock on his door, his hand will not hit and contact the wood of the door won't make a bit of noise. And even though how hard he swings, he can't hit the door. Now, he was a good Seventh-day Adventist, and he goes home, and he gets on his knees. Gets on his knees. 
and he opens up his Bible. And his eyes open, I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12. Thou shalt neither go out in strife nor buy peace. Don't go out in haste. Don't go out like that. Okay, God, I got you. The next day, the captain of one of the Coast Guard cutters says, hey, I, I know you're going home. You want to come with us together? All right, man, I guess so. He gets in the, on the ship, and they're heading out to, to sea. Just as that plane that he was going to be on flew over the top of the island. Days later, when they got home, word came to them that that plane and all 12 guys on the plane had crashed and killed everybody. You think he was happy that he listened to God? You know, God says, I see the end from the beginning. I see all things. God steps in and out of time. And God looks at your life, your specific life. And he says, I love you with an everlasting love, and I want the very best for you. And I see the very best. So I want to guide you in that pathway if you will listen to me. If you will listen to me. And how do we listen? We, we had that in our study today. Study God's word. Study the Bible. Because the Bible is God's word to us. And when I started losing my relationship with God the second time, I was in the I was in a college theology program. I was doing all the right things, but I wasn't having a friendship and relationship with God. You can be doing all the right things. You can be sitting here in church. You can be doing all these things. But it won't matter if you're not forming that friendship and relationship with God. You remember Cleopas? Cleopas had just watched the crucifixion. Oh, man, he, was, he and his buddy were feeling so low. And they're walking back home to Emmaus. Emmaus, seven and a half miles downhill. And they're like that. And a stranger comes alongside of them, kind of blinds their eyes, and begins sharing with them all the scripture concerning himself. Well, by the time they get home, the sun has gone down, and we're told this stranger is just going to keep on drinking. And Clopas said, no, no, you must come in. Please come abide with us. Please abide with us. And finally the stranger did. And the next scene, we see him raising up the loaf of bread like he's done so many times before. And I believe we see the nail prints in his hand. And they yell, it's the Lord. And <laughs> he disappeared. He disappeared, and they push out the door. They run up the hill. In the middle of the night, they can't hardly see anything, but they're just running over the tops of all the rocks and everything, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he drew near to us? I would submit to you today, my brothers, my sisters, there would have been no burning if they had not invited God to come If you want God to burn in your life, if you want a relationship like you've never had, invite God to abide with you. Study his word. Pray. Ellen White says our prayer should be, Lord, take my life. I can't do it. Take my heart. I cannot do it. And 
you pray that prayer, God will answer that prayer. God will answer that prayer. I think we can all count on that. <laughs> yeah, after Paul was talking to one of the pastors, he said, you know, it's really interesting that pastor had received a phone call from this guy in a particular city, and in that city, uh, Muslims are killing all the Christians, but he received a phone call, please come to visit me, and it's in that city, oh. but he's a pastor, so okay, he goes, he knocks on the door, big guy comes in, wore a big beard and everything, invites him in, walking down the hallway, and halfway down the hallway, the guy says, I'm a Muslim, I'm in. Oh, man, now he knows he brought me here to kill me. He comes on down, and he gets into the living room, comes around the corner, and there's 30 bearded men sitting in the living room. Now he knows for sure I'm a dead man. And while he's kind of quaking in his boots, the imam said, we brought you here today because we want you to secretly baptize. Well, then he passed himself. I should study with you first. <laughs> then I got to study with you first. I forget I had that authority. And the Imam said, no, no, there is no reason. God has sent his angel to study with me every day for a long time now, and I've shared with these men all that I know, and they wanted to be baptized. The pastor studied with them the rest of the afternoon. They knew the Bible as well as he did. Friends, God is coming soon. God is yearning for prayer of people to meet him. He's yearning for you to meet him. I wonder today, will you do that? Will you say, Lord, I'm going to spend more time with you in the Bible. I'm going to spend more time with you, getting to know you personally. There was a, there was a point in my life I just thought, I didn't have any more time to study with God. And God brought me to a point of decision the second time around, and I realized, realized wow, I did have the time because I got rid of all the four-letter premium word channels on TV. And I had the time to study with God, and it changed my life forever and ever. There are second chances. Praise God, there are third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Jesus died for you to give you every possible chance to come to him. I wonder today, if you want to spend more time with God, will you covenant with me right now and with God? I invite you to stand and say, God, help me. Please take my heart. I can't give it. Would you stand right now?
Thank you.